you can have a seat. So glad you're here. Welcome. Oh, just another reminder. Hey, glad you guys are here. Um, hey, how do you guys feel like Tony did? Should we let him do it again, or let's just make this a vote, like, you know? All right, sounds like Tony's not doing it again. That wasn't enough. All right, awesome. Hey, how many of y'all should, should we sing Ingrid happy birthday? I think she's, she was begging all week for it. No, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. Because what, you know what that's going to do? Ingrid could take it, but some of you can't, and you're going to get really scared that I might do that to you one day, and you'll never come back again. So we got to let you get soaked in, and then we'll scare the mess out of you. All right. Well, hey, guys, I am so glad. This is our last message in this series we're doing called Patterns for Renewal, and we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. So if you've got a Bible, you've got a phone, got the app, whatever you got, go to Exodus chapter 20, and that's where we're going to be. It's going to be a blast. Um, I'm really excited to jump into this one. We're, today we're talking about Sabbath, and it's something I think a lot of you go, man, that sounds like a Jewish thing, and it kind of is, but it's a biblical thing, and it's going to be fun today just to sit and talk about it, think through it together as a family. And I want to tell you, if you're new here, welcome. This uh, church is a family. The people of God are a people. We're not a building. As you see, we're sitting in a rec center. It's not about the building, but we do praise God. God has given us a space to be able to meet in. Amen? You guys thankful we're not sitting outside right now? Man, praise God. All right, I love it. So let me just pray, thank him, and I don't know if you know this, Ephesians 1 tells us we have got to have the Holy Spirit help us to open our ears, open our hearts to be able to receive his word. I cannot teach it, I cannot listen to it, and really hear what God has for us unless the Spirit of God helps me, okay, and helps you. So let's just together, humbly, if you're sitting in a chair and you want to put your hands open like this, I like to do that, because physically your body, it can be help your soul, help your mind and spirit get in the right uh, posture of receiving from the Lord. So let's do that. Father, we are incredibly blessed by you. And as we just sang, we're incredibly dependent on you. God, I was thinking while we're singing, it's impossible for me to fully know how dependent I am on you, really. But I also realize, God, that dependence is also a choice. We could choose to depend on ourselves, depend on the world, depend on America, depend on leaders, depend on the Bible, Jesus, your spirit leading us. And so, God, I pray you would help us to make the choice to depend on the one thing that never lets us down, you. We love you. Open our ears, open our hearts to receive and to be open to what you have today. Today, it's going to be challenging in an unexpected way. But, God, may we see you in it and, be, and feel invited into what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, I think there's something all of you guys recognize. It'll be easy to convince you of this because I think you feel it. Every single one of us has kind of in us like this infinite desire for things. Think about when you were a kid. You wanted certain things that you don't want now, right? You wanted them then, and you just desperately wanted them. There was, anybody ever get those little magazines, right? I, like, it's the nightmare of parents. It's like the, for me, it was like the Sears magazine, and it had all those things, and you would like take a, like a, a pen or a marker, and you'd go through the whole thing and just circle everything all the way through. Anybody ever do that? Right? Like infinite desire. That book could have been a thousand pages thick, and I would have kept going through every page, like that one, and that one, and our desires are infinite, okay? There's some philosophers who said, Christian, uh, Christian theologians said that we can never satisfy our desires. 
because for us, we would have to try everything, taste everything, sleep with everyone, experience every trip, go to every single thing, and we would have to go through all of it. And still, if we could try and taste and enjoy and be a part of everything in this world, it still would not be enough because our desire for more is continues to be there. There's kind of a discontentment. Now, if you take that infinite desire and you combine that with the fact that you are a finite human being, like today, the only place you get to be is where you are right now. In this moment, that's where you are. You're finite. You can only think about so many things. You can only experience so many things. You can only go to so many places, right? So if you take this infinite desire, okay, that we've got, combine that or sub- and subtract a, a finite soul, what do you get? You get restlessness, Right? You are a finite being in a world with infinite possibilities, and you want all of them, you want to experience all of them, but you can only experience so many. So what ends up happening in us? It's just deep discontent and restlessness in our lives. Anybody ever feel that? It's just restlessness, like there's got to be more, I got to do this next thing. It's either a to-do list of things you got to do, or it's this uh, marketing campaign of things that you want to experience and have, Right? And we all feel it, and it's incredibly exhausting. But what if it didn't have to be that way, guys? Like, what if we didn't have to actually be exhausted all the time waiting for the things that we hope we can have or were advertised that we could have or experiencing the things that Expedia keeps sending me emails about, right? I don't care how cheap that flight is. I still can't go on that flight, right? What if it didn't have to be that way? Now, some you know, the Stoics and Buddhists, the way that they approach it is to say, well, you should detach yourself from the world, okay? And I love the way that John Mark Comer says it. It's, what we're going to talk about today is not detaching from all desire. Like, you know what? Just don't desire it anymore. Just don't feel it anymore. That's what Stoicism and Buddhism, that's what that's about. But to come to a place, what if we could come to a place where we no longer needed fill in the blank? We should go, I don't need that. I don't need it anymore because I've got a full well. I've got a a life that's just full of rest. I feel peace. I feel content. And no matter what comes my way, the well is full. I feel ready to go. Anybody want to be that way? Like everybody, because there's a whole room full of liars just sitting here. Or you're just like, don't even want to admit it. You're like, you're addressing something that I've been trying to avoid. Okay? Every one of you wants it, right? Let your voice echo a little bit in this room. Don't you want to feel so filled up that a marketing campaign go by, the cheeseburger comes on the screen, you're like, I don't need that, right? The brownie's on the table, and you're like, I'm fine, right? The temptation to look at images online, you go, no, I don't need that. I have what I need, right? When you're looking for peace, and you're like, oh, you run into your job, you go, wait, no, 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 I don't need this for my job. I don't need the approval from my boss. I don't need these things. I have what I need I am filled, the well is full. What if it could be that way? Do you know your Bible tells you it can be that way? In a sinful world, it's hard to be that way, but we can grow in that way. And so today, we're going to see it in something we call Sabbath. And Sabbath is all about finding the fullness of God in the midst of everyday life. Okay? I'm going to break it down in six points for you. It's going to be dope. You ready? Let's do this. Point number one about the Sabbath. You guys want to know what it's about? Of course you do, because I just showed you that your desires, you're begging for this thing. The Sabbath is a day that is set apart, okay? If you've got a journal, all right, if you've got a pen, you got a marker, write it on your hand, your neighbor's forehead, whatever you want to do, but write down, it is set apart. 
Okay, so let me just tell you about Sabbath, where we get that name. The Sabbath is a day that is set apart from another six days of work. You guys kind of know that, but it comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, and Shabbat means literally to stop. Think about that. Shabbat or Sabbath means stop. So think about that compared to the other six days. We've got six days that are about go. Go, 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 get stuff done, do some things. And then we got one day that is about stopping. It's the stop day. Everybody say stop day. That's what Sabbath is. It's a stop day. It's a set apart day. Now, a lot of our understanding of what Sabbath is, we get from Genesis and Exodus, okay? We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20 today taking a look at it. And so it would make sense to start with Genesis since it's at the beginning, but we're actually going to do that at the end. I know nothing I do makes sense, but we're going to do this anyways, okay? It's going to be fine. So go to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be at verse 8. This is within the Ten Commandments. This is the only spiritual discipline that makes the Ten Commandments. So pay attention. Let's read it. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Amen. So listen, there's, a, there's so much to dissect in this. So we're going to almost cover every single bit about this stop day in Exodus 20. But I want to focus in first on verse 9 and verse 10 and we'll see what we see there. Okay, so what do we see there? Let me reread this to you. It says, six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. It's a Sabbath to the Lord. It's a stop day to the Lord. And you guys go, oh, I know what that is. Six days, I'm going to do some work, and that's my day off, right? That's my day off. That's where I'm going to kind of hang out and just going to do whatever. I'm going to piddle around and hang the trim and put the bushes in those bushes spots. I don't know. Anybody doing that right now? Um, Okay, we're waiting for the ground to thaw out before we do the bushes planting, I guess. And so we go, oh, that's our day off. And, and, and in a way, you're kind of right. It's a, it's a day off, but it's so much more than a day off. He says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. It's a day when work stops, but it's so much more than a day off. In fact, Eugene Peterson uh, said it really well. Eugene Peterson said uh, that a day off, he called it the bastard Sabbath. He said it's the, it's the illegitimate child of the seventh day in Western culture coming together. But it's not what biblical Sabbath, it really is. That's not what it is. So what did Jesus say about this? Okay, well, Jesus had a few words to say about the Sabbath. And so I'm going to read you Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Before that, let me set some context. It's a Sabbath day. It's a stop day. He's walking with his disciples. They're going, and there's some grain fields around him when he's walking. And so him and his disciples just start grabbing some of the grain and eating it, okay? They're hungry, so they start doing that. Well, the Pharisees, who are these religious leaders, who are usually uh, distracted by the religion from God. Think about that for a second. They're distracted from God by their religion. They see them doing this, and they go, well, that's work, that's sin, you shouldn't do that. And so they get really frustrated, get mad, and they go and call out Jesus on it. And this is what Jesus says next. He says this, and he said to them, 
The Sabbath, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So before we talk about what the Sabbath is, we need to know about who it's for. And Jesus says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Think about this. God made Sabbath, made a stop day for humanity. So who is this for? Okay, a little more confidence. Who's it for? It's for you. This is for you. Now take that and let's combine it and take it back to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, okay, the beginning of the Ten Commandments. You're going to tie, it's for humanity, but then he also says at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Starting to get narrowed down to who this is for. Combine that now with verse 10 of Exodus chapter 20. It says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So when you start to combine these together, you get a picture. Who is this for? What is this about? It's this right here. Okay. The Sabbath is a set apart day for a set apart people to a set apart God. You see that? Is it on the screen? Read that to yourself. It's a set apart day for a set apart people to a set apart God. This is being commanded to a group of people who are just rescued from slavery. This is for a group of people who used to be slaves to the master of industry, to Pharaoh. The, those who were in charge, who had the money and who had the wealth and had the industry, and they broke their backs for these people, the Egyptians, and they, listen, do slaves get a break? No, slaves don't get days off. Slaves don't send a text to their master, like, hey, I'm gonna take Sunday off. You cool with that? Slaves are a number on a budget line. They're like machinery. Run it till it dies, get another one, put it in its place. That's what slaves are. And he's saying that this is for the people who are no longer slaves to the industry, to the busyness, to the, to the tasks, to the sports schedules, to the, to the sin. This is for those who don't bow to that master anymore, but bow to the master who is Yahweh. That's who it's for. Anybody in here, God is your God? Anybody in here? Believer, trust in Jesus like Tony? Okay, be a little more bold. It's an environment where it's okay to talk about Jesus. Nobody's going to probably kill you in here. Okay, yeah, if he's your God, this is for you, and it's a gift. It's a wonderful gift. But here's the thing. There are, in the days of Egypt, there were these twin gods, and these two gods still exist, and they're alive today. It's the twin gods of accumulation and accomplishment. Accumulation and accomplishment. Let's talk about accomplishment. Anybody feel like they are kind of sometimes a slave to all you have to get done? Anybody have a task list this week that you're just a little anxious about? And you're really anxious because your kids are home. You're like, how am I going to get this done with all these kids at my house? Right? You're anxious of all that you have to do. And we're anxious about all that we didn't get done. You feel bad about what you haven't done. And so we just live in this constant turmoil busyness we talked about last week of all I got to do and get done and move forward. And what if I don't? And it's all dependent on me. But then there's also the other God. It's twin, which is accumulation, right? And, and advertisements, advertisements are kind of like the whip of the taskmaster. 
constantly beating us, reminding us, you are not complete until you have this thing for 1995, until you go on this trip, until you see that place, until you look like her, until you feel like that. And it's constantly whipping us and beating us and telling us we're not complete, we don't have enough. And then we get that thing, and what happens to it? Anybody in here wearing some hammer pants? No, and they're not coming back. Hopefully, right? We wanted these things, man. We wanted pump shoes, and we wanted action figures and Pokemon cards and whatever to go on this trip, and then we do it, we go on the trip, we come back, and we're like, yeah, it was great. It's just, there it was. And so it constantly is beating us, saying, make more bricks, but oh, by the way, you're going to have to get your own straw now. Guys, we're slaves. This world has made us a slave, okay? It's made us a slave, but God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Remember the Sabbath day. What God is saying is that God is the great emancipator. And he, be- he begins the commands with a reminder, you are no longer a slave, you are free. As John, Mike, John Mark Comer says in his book, he says, Sabbath is a way to stay free and make sure you never get sucked back into slavery or worse, become the slave driver yourself. Hey, guys, the first thing you need to understand is Sabbath is a set-apart day for a set-apart people to a set-apart God, and that God is the God of emancipation, liberation, and freedom, saying, you don't have to live for this world anymore. You could be with me. You hear that? Amen to that. Now, what is this Sabbath about? Sabbath is also about breaking. Everybody say breaking. Let me see if you're alive. Okay, half of you. Good. We'll keep going, guys. Breaking. The Sabbath is also about a break. It's a day to shut things down and rest. God says this in verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a stop to the Lord your God. And on it you shall do no work, you, you and your son and your daughter and your male servant and female servant, your livestock and the sojourner who's in your gates, the guy who's visiting you. Okay? I'll tell you this, our slavery to busyness and all the things and all the gods of our lives can never, can, is most apparent in the fact that God has to command for us to take a break. Like, how absolutely silly is that? It's like God has to command you to eat a chocolate chip cookie, right? Would that be silly? Hey, I command you, eat this cookie. When you go to ask people, how's it going? What do they usually say? I'm busy. Ah, we're busy, right? What's the second thing they usually say? I need a, I need a break. We need a break. It's like, huh, you know? I don't know if you guys know this, but one of the Ten Commandments is, it's yours. Eat the cookie. Take a break. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. God knows us so well. He says, you will break. You need a break. And so this break, okay, uh, I don't know if you guys, anybody in here watch NASCAR? I'm from the South. I've been to a NASCAR thing. I know you're judging me right now, okay? But it's legit. It's cheap food, lots of drunk people, and fast, loud cars, It's a blast, okay? Um, Now you're super distracted. But one of the things, I've seen several interviews with Formula One drivers and NASCAR drivers, and they say, I've seen it in both. I've seen both uh, professional drivers say the same thing. We ask drivers, hey, what's the trick to going fast? You know what they say? The trick to going fast is knowing how to break. 
Think about that. The trick to being a really fast professional race car driver is knowing how and when to brake. Listen, our slavery to business needs uh, a good brake. Sabbath is about a break. It's a way as we uh, are on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and we're flying towards this turn into the next week. We got to know how to slow it down to get ready for a Monday, Tuesday, and a Wednesday. You hear what I'm saying? The weekend is that turn. Everybody's like, man, I hate Monday. But Monday's a good thing when you come out of the weekend with a restful break. But the Sabbath is, it's not just a break, and it's not just a driving into the driveway, shutting the engine down and going inside to rest, but the Sabbath will be something for your life that's sort of like the governor, a governor on an engine. You know what I'm talking about? When I moved from North Carolina to Wyoming, I drove in a U-Haul, and this thing had a governor on it, which I do not praise God for, okay? Going 60, even though I had my foot all the way to the floor through Kansas, was hell on earth. So this analogy is going to break down a little bit, but listen. Last week I talked about busyness and that you needed to slow down. One of the ways that could help set a pace for your life is to have a day where you shut everything down, where you take a break and you pause, and it turns into a governor where you come into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at a pace where God is your God, and you've rested didn't answer all the texts, answer all the phone calls. You didn't do the checklist. You didn't do the laundry. You didn't cook the meals. You didn't wash the dishes. You were just there. It serves to be a governor. So the Sabbath day is a break from all the good work that you've been doing to rest. But it's also a day to be, okay? It's a day to be. So write that down. It's about being. Set apart. It's a break. But the Sabbath is also about being. Again, let me read to you what it says in Exodus 20, verse 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to, emphasize that, the Lord your God. So this is a day to break, but it's also a day to be with your God. Now, what does that mean? Let me help you understand this a little bit, okay? Um, I'm married to Bonnie, who's at home taking care of sick kids. Praise God for women who do that. And um, now here's the thing. There is a difference between working with my wife and dating my wife. And all the women said, amen, right? There's a difference between working with my wife and, there's a, and dating my wife. When we're sitting and folding laundry, is that a date? No. Men, the answer is no. It's not, okay? Trying to give you a healthy, long, wonderful marriage. And future married guys, it's not a date. I know that sounds crazy to you, but you're going to start getting tempted to think it is a date. It's not. There's a difference. It's the same thing with God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're no longer a slave to sin, but you are a child of God, and he is your Lord, and you look to him. You've been working with him all week. If you're not working with God, you haven't acknowledged God all this past week, you've got to ask yourself, then who's been God this week? Hmm, not him. It might have been you. But if you're working with God all week long, you're on that uh, walkie-talkie, and you're visiting with him in the morning, do you think God, the God who rescued, does he kind of deserve a day where y'all can kind of like date and be together? Now, I know some of you guys are like, right now you're thinking, well, okay, hold on a second. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Is that something like I got to sit around and like, you know, light some candles and turn on Shane and Shane and like 
worship and pray all day? And my answer to you is maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe for you that's something that fuels your affection for Jesus and you can go hard in the paint all day with some Shane and Shane. Doesn't do it for me. Okay? About 45 minutes of that and I feel great and I'm on to something else. So here's the thing. I, I want to read you this quote uh, that I got from a book on Sabbath by Dan Allender and I think it's just wonderful. It says this. Okay? Sabbath, Sabbath is a, talking about being is a day, it's an invitation into delight. Think about that. It's an invitation into delight. Uh, Sabbath, he says, is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, watch creation in its fullness. Man, anything that will fuel our affection and love for God. That's what it's about. Right? Some of you are going, there's a couple on that list that definitely fuel my affection for Jesus. But here's what I'll tell you. How do we, how do we, determine, how do we determine what are those things? Because you're like, Greg, you kind of opened this up pretty wide. What does that look like? Hey, for you, listen, it may be ice cream. It can be ice cream. You go, how did you come to that conclusion? Let me tell you. Okay, every good filter of trying to make a decision has got wires that go this way and wires that go this way. Am I right? So we talked about the Sabbath is a day of breaking, which is about rest, and it's about uh, being, which is about worship. Okay? And so take this. So everything in your life that you go, okay, the first thing you're going to ask yourself is, is this truly spiritually, physically, emotionally restful for me? Ask yourself that question. Is it restful for me? Now for me, like Sabbath day, cutting my grass is incredibly restful for me. I love it because I work with people and it's hard to tell what's going on in your life. So I cut the grass, I look back and go, yeah, I know exactly what that, what I just did there. You see those lines? That was me. Feels my affection. Thank God for the grass growing. So is it restful? And the second thing is, hey, was it worshipful? Did it fuel my affection for Jesus? Man, it's maybe having a good glass of wine. Maybe it's sitting with your kids. It's getting in God's word. It's Shane and Shane listening to worship music. It's, it's just sitting over a good meal. It's laughing. It's playing games. It's shutting down the TV and all the noise and all the advertisements, all those things. It's a good, good, deep one of those deep, really like sweaty naps. You just sit and you could just be, you know what I mean? It, it's those things. So listen, I, I know I'm being, I'm being funny, but I, I really want to help you guys understand this is a God's gift to you. And if you take a filter of is it rest and is it worshipful of God, is it do the both of those things, everything that fits through that for you, which will be different than your neighbor, is something that, man, you have a whole day to do with your God, to do with him, because it's to him. And so... Sabbath is a day to break and be. It's a, de- a day to rest and worship your God because he designed it for humanity and he commanded it for his people because here's the next point. It's a lot more than a day. Listen to me. It's a lot more than a day. Guys, this is a holiday every single week and most of you have never done it. It's Christmas, 52 times a year without the wrapping paper and your in-laws and all that. Like imagine Christmas where nobody visited and you're just there and you're together and it's you and Jesus and your family is just like huddled up, right? No complaints over that wasn't exactly the gift they wanted. It's just be together. It's this wonderful holiday. But listen, guys, it's so much more than that. This day, every week, Sabbath, as God intended it, has implications not only for your week, but listen to me, 
for your entire life, and I'm going to prove it to you. It has implications for your week and for your entire life. Uh, uh, Dan Allender says, Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Some of you are going, ah, I don't know. I don't believe it. I'm going to go, cool. When's the last time you ever Sabbath? He says it's the best day of our life. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. It's the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Now, i got to be honest with you guys. I'm going to be really honest. Uh, honestly, trying to Sabbath is really stinking hard. Okay? It's really hard. Bonnie and I have been trying to Sabbath. We're trying to prep. got to get a feel for this. Learn by experience. Since September. Okay? Let me just tell you. I've had, a lot of, I've had some days off between September and today. I've Sabbath a few times. Right? Kids swallow Legos. Kids vomit at the second and third grade recital, noodles all down the hall. That was our Sabbath day this past weekend. I was like, we're going to Sabbath this weekend because I'm teaching on it. I'm not going to miss this one. And boosh, right? <laughs> Life happens. Our Sabbath turned out to be laying around, keeping people hydrated. All right? It's a very hard and difficult thing to do. So a little bit I want to I say that, guys, to extend grace to you. Say, look, guys, there's grace in the midst of this. Even the guy who's trying to lead you, maybe you call a pastor who's teaching the Bible, struggles with it. But just because I struggle with it doesn't mean that you shouldn't struggle to try to do it. And it doesn't mean just because I struggle with it that I'm not going to try to get better at it. I want this to be a thing that's a part of my life because it's so much more than a day. It's way more than a day. I love the way uh, there's a book called Ruthless, Elimin uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. I highly recommend that all of you read it. You're going to see that I, I have no new ideas, and I just steal constantly, but go read it. John Mark Comer, he says it like this, that he Sabbaths pretty well. He's got kids who are older, so good for him. And he says, like, every Sabbath for him, he's like, there's a certain point during the day where he feels like his soul catches up to him. Like, I read that, and I was like, Whoa. Like, anybody in this room, do you ever feel like in the busyness of life, like somehow you and your soul went different directions? And you, like, lost yourself in the midst of the business? You're going crazy. You're freaking out. You're saying things to people that are irrational. You're making business decisions that you regret. Just me? Awesome. <laughs> Let me tell you, this has the ability, it's so much more that it has the ability to change your life. Let me tell you why. Uh, a study went out. They were studying like the happiest, healthiest people in America. And in that study, they came across Seventh-day Adventists. Seventh-day Adventists, do you know this? Who are, they're, these are people who are religious about the Sabbath day. Okay. So they take the Sabbath day every week religiously. It's a part of what they do. And uh, they have found, this is no lie, that Seventh-day Adventists live on average 10 years longer than you. The average life expectancy in America, they on average live 10 years longer, okay? Here's my phone. My wife hates this. I always run numbers. Anybody, ha a person who's always busting out the calculator running numbers, okay? Uh, check this out. Let's take the average life expectancy in America. Let me just show you something, okay? Why do they live 10 years longer? Do you? I don't know, but let's try this out. So uh, the average life expectancy is 78 years in America. Let's take off the first eight, because really the first eight years of your life is a Sabbath. You aren't doing anything, right? Okay? I know. I've got a nine-year-old, okay? And so let's just make it 70 years. What's 70 times 52 weeks a year, 52 Sabbaths, okay? That is 3,640 
days that you could have rested, but you didn't. Okay, and so let's divide that by 365 days a year. And what do we get? Ten stinking years. It seems silly, but do you hear this? It blows me away. God didn't just command this. He designed you for this way. And like all of God's commandments, they're always for your good, friend. It's for your good. So let's, let's go back. How did God design this? We'll go back to the beginning, the very beginning. In Exodus 20, he mentions it in verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Listen. In the beginning of time, when he designed and formed what you would eventually become, God left us an example. God worked for six days and then he took a day. God doesn't have to rest. You know that? God's never been tired. Never been tired. He's never been tired of listening to you pray. He's never been tired of listening to the generations uh, just continue to be born and die and born and die. He's never tired. He never sleeps. He's always going, but he left us an example. But he didn't just leave us an example or, or a suggestion, like, hey, if you feel like it, because here's the reality. You feel like it, don't you? Don't you every week feel like, man, if I could just have a day to just like rest, it's like, it's right here. He didn't just give us a day. He literally designed me and you to have a day for rest and renewal in him. And so I want to show you something that I think is brilliant. There are three things in the creation story, in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, that are blessed. Did you know that? God blesses three things in Genesis 1 and 2. He blesses the animal kingdom, he blesses humanity, and he blesses a day. Now let me read these to you because I think you need to see something in here, and you're about to find out why Seventh-day Adventists live longer than you. Check this out. After creating the animal and fish kingdom, Genesis 1.22 says, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. Blessed multiplication. Okay, let's go a little bit farther. You scroll a little bit down, chapter 1, verse 28. He looks at the people, and he says this, And God blessed them, Adam and Eve, humanity, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Okay? Then, after he's finished creating everything, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, God does something. He blesses another thing. Listen. What were the first two things about? It was about blessed multiplication. Blessings multiply life. And then in Genesis Chapter 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. Verse 3, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on that day, on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. Listen, this day, the Sabbath day, is a day that God designed for blessed multiplication to multiply in you life as you connect with the God who is life. 
So no wonder, guys, when we always feel dead and ragged and worn out and exhausted and at the end of our rope, or maybe we've already let go of the end of our rope, because on the day that we were meant to connect with the God who is life, we're still feeding from the well that is death, of busyness, of accumulation and accomplishment. Do you see that? That's amazing what God has done for us. Sabbath, guys, started in the beginning. And my question for you and for me is, could it be the beginning? Could practicing this pattern be the beginning of new life for you? Not just this week, but the end of your life. The end of your life. And this leads to the last point, which is that it's holy. This thing is so much more than a day, and therefore it's holy and set apart. It's our last stop. If you go to Exodus chapter 20, he starts the commandments uh, about the Sabbath day with this. In verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then he ends the commandment by saying, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Sabbath is a holy time. And I love, I know I keep quoting him and he deserves all the credit. Dan Allender says this, few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it, which means to set it apart, to make it something different, which is what holiness really is. A different day because, listen to this guys, I'm so convicted. Because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime. Like, when have you ever done what I just, we've just been talking about? Breaked to be, to enjoy, to worship God all day. This is me and him connecting with my family to the Lord. He says, let alone a week. You see, the Pharisees, they understood what holiness was. It's undefiled purity. It's a set-apartness. But they were more confused about what holy meant in the day. They saw it being a holy day as a day of do's and don'ts. Anybody feel that? Like Sunday is the day where, oh, you can't cuss today, right? You know, like how many times I've heard kids when they come to the camp I worked at, they're like, we're at camp, you can't cuss. I'm like, guys, God is everywhere. Like chill that out, right? We've turned Sabbath or we turn a lot of things that God has given to, to us as a gift into do's and don'ts. The Pharisees missed that the Sabbath was not about do's and don'ts. The Sabbath, that's not what makes it holy. What makes the Sabbath holy is God. God's what makes that day holy. He's also what makes that day filling. He's also what makes that day enjoyable and sweet, kind, restful. That is what it's all about. And if you don't see that, guys, if you don't understand what I'm saying right there, you're not going to understand what Sabbath is about. Now, you guys can take a break. You can go on a vacation. You can have a rest day. You can just have fun and not do this all to the glory of God. And I tell you what, you will be blessed. All right? You will be blessed by it. But it'll never be what God intended it for you, and you will miss out on the fullness of what Sabbath is meant to be in your life until you realize that Sabbath is a crucifixion of what you keep calling life for the very real thing, which is God. Like just, look guys, I know this, not in my nose. I know, just the thought of you trying to do this, by 9 a.m., some of you will start freaking out. By noon, you'll already be writing down a to-do list. Well, I'll just write it down so I can remember to do it tomorrow. You can't stop. Why? Listen to me, friends, because you're enslaved. And God wants to break that bondage. That's why he says at the beginning of the commandments, you are not a slave. I rescued you. 
so be with me. Heaven will not have a to-do list. So let's let the kingdom of heaven be here on earth. So you take all these points, you put them all together, and this is what you get. It's a set apart, breaking, being with God. It's a lot more than day. It's, it, see it in the beginning, and it's holy. What does that spell? I know. Does that feel cool? My wife went, oh, you're cool, buddy. Just a way for you to remember. Set apart. Okay? Set apart. It's about breaking, stopping everything to be with God. It's a lot more than a day. It's going to influence your day, your week, your life expectancy. God designed you for it in the beginning. And guys, guess what? It's a holy set apart time to be with the Lord where he could fill you with his goodness and kindness and his life. Because guys, listen to this. God didn't just set apart a day. He set apart his son and put him on a cross and he was crucified. He set apart a life to crucify, to set you free from sin so you don't have to keep working to be saved. Guys, Christianity is not about works. It's about the grace of God extended to a group of people who do not deserve it so that we could be free to worship him knowing that, hey, no matter what I do, I am free. And now I work to the glory of God because of what he did for me. And so I can Sabbath and I can stop because God has done everything that I need him to do for me. I was talking to a young man this past week. The gospel is this. It's not about what you do or what you've done. It's about everything that Jesus has done for us. Do you hear that? And that is what Sabbath is about. Sabbath is about the gospel being in your life. And God, I hope that some of you have practiced it. Not as a little fad. It's not, it's not some new shtick to you know, a thinner, healthier you. At the beginning, at the foundation of the world, beginning of time, God established this, and he said it was for you. And praise God to him. Man, let's pray and let's sing to a God who would give us a day. Isn't that awesome? Stand up with me. Let's pray and let's, let's sing to him. Father, <clears throat> we are a crazy bunch of people who have to be commanded to enjoy the very thing that we beg for every day, every time we talk with somebody. God, I pray that like David, when he saw a sheep caught in a lion's mouth, he ran and he grabbed that lion by the beard and he struck that lion in the face to set the sheep free. So many of us are in the lion's mouth of busyness and accumulation. I pray, Jesus, by your spirit that this morning, that you would grab that beard and you would strike that lie in the face to crush it so that this people in this room could rest in the good shepherd's care, that they would drink of the water that you give and find life, that they would teach their children the way of peace and rest and Sabbath, and that there would be a culture in Outpost Community Church of renewal and rest, of breaking and being, of worship of our God once a week. And that our weeks and our lives and our years would be completely changed and affected because every week we pause to receive the goodness that you offer to us in the gospel. May our children lead our grandchildren to go farther than we could have ever imagined. I pray that blessing over us generation after generation. In Jesus' name, amen.